You're listening to the Sewing and Grown podcast and radio show with Jay and Jay. We are back. Who is we? We is we. That is uh, John and Jonathan. Here they. Also known as J and J. That makes it really simple. Little known fact that you may not know about my grandfather. His actual name was J. J A Y. J Piccinati. What is his middle name? I knew you were going to ask me that, and I don't know my grandfather's middle name. That's I apologize. Right. But he lost his right arm in World War II nice. on the island, not nice, I mean- of Palo. <laughs> Which was a strategic island in the Pacific. I'm just going to go over the fact that you said it was nice. No, like he served. Good for him. Okay, thank you. Thank you for bringing clarity to that uh, statement. He lost his right arm in Palau, which is an island that was strategically placed in the Pacific Ocean. So we were fighting over these islands just so Japan wouldn't build anything there and the U.S. wouldn't build anything there. But it really didn't influence the war a whole lot. So it's kind of... Oh. A sad moment that he lost his arm in that oh. battle. But uh, well, now I feel like I need to talk about my. Well, I'll talk about my great grandfather because he was a World War One photographer, and he took pictures of the battle on the front line. Actually, it was World War Two. I was gonna say. Wow. Sorry. Well, yeah, it was World War Two because he was taking pictures in Hiroshima, uh, which was interesting, but. His name was Charles Eric Montgomery Mace. Wow. That's an intense name. Say that one more time. Charles Eric Montgomery Mace. And you know what? I might have this backwards. Him and my grandfather both were war photographers. I think it was my grandpa who was taking pictures in Hiroshima. Hey, you don't really know which grandpa? I don't know my grandpa's middle name. So we don't know everything, but we do know that they all served. Yeah. If I do have a boy... I think the, the the middle name Eric Montgomery is kind of that's a great old fashioned. It's just kind of strong. Sounds a little cool. southern too. Eric Montgomery. There's a Montgomery, Alabama. That's what I was thinking. Montgomery, yeah. Alabama. And there's an Eric Church, and he sings <laughs> country music. <laughs> there is. But really great stories. I love stories from my grandpa from that time. He uh, the wild thing was he lost his arm, and he was in a foxhole. And what happened was it was a piece of shrapnel that took his arm off. It wasn't actually a bullet itself. It was a bomb. He was in a bomb hole on the beach and a piece of shrapnel took his right arm off to where there was just strands left. So there was a medic who was absolutely petrified going from like foxhole to foxhole. And he went to the foxhole and everything was glass back then. He had a little gurney that he was pulling on the beach and his hands were shaking violently and they would give the soldiers a little bit of whiskey. They had whiskey as they're just to like ease them up. Yeah. My grandfather's laying in the hole, bleeding out, and <laughs> medic is shaking violently because he's so scared. Rightfully so. Don't get me wrong. I don't think I'd be responding any differently. And he says, hey, you know, I think you should drink the whiskey. <laughs> and while they're doing that, I believe the IV that's connected to the gurney was shot off the thing, wow. almost out of the medic's hand. So the medic like hid in the foxhole <laughs> with my grandfather. They put a tourniquet on him. They eventually got him to a boat. And he said the boat was super hot because it's in the Pacific Ocean and there was like no ventilation. And my grandfather told my dad that he was glad that he had as mild of an injury as he had because there were people who were just like blown to pieces. But the wild thing was about three or four days in, uh, he's on this boat and they're, they're going back to America. And he said like, 
on the stub of my arm, it just feels like there's something there. Like there's some movement like on the stub because they amputated the, what was left of his arm and they had bandaged it up. He's like, I just feel like there's something moving on this stub that is my <laughs> shoulder. And they said, that's just the nerves, like, you know, pretending like it is an arm. He's like, no, I really think you need to check it. They open it up and it was covered with maggots because oh. of the humidity of the boat. But my grandfather yeah. lived to have my father who eventually had me. So I'm thankful for did the sacrifice. Did you ever meet him or did these I did meet him. I did meet him, but he was yeah. quite old by that time. Yeah, my grandfather died when I was young, but I did meet him. He got radiation from the war. Wow. And then he also was an avid smoker, so he got throat cancer. And the only thing I really remember about him is he had a stoma, which is like hole in the throat so you can breathe. Right? Isn't that yeah, what it's I, called? I, I, I think so. It sounds right. It sounds good. And he would always wear turtlenecks, but I would sit on his lap and he would <laughs> let me see the stoma. <laughs> and then we'd watch the Lakers and I'd eat pudding. Isn't that interesting? I don't know how to put all those things yeah, together. I know, I know. You had such a great story. And my grandpa was amazing, but I just was a little too young. Um, and I need to talk to now my mother about maybe stories of him. She probably doesn't know as many as my dad would, but uh, I think she probably still has some good yeah. memories. It's good him. to have memories of those yeah, people. Yeah, I know. I just, that sounds really funny, but he loved the Lakers and he would, I would sit on his lap and I vividly remember eating like a pudding, like <laughs> chocolate pudding, watch the Lakers. <laughs> right on. That's cool. Well, why don't we uh, get to the subject of today, which is yeah. questions that persist. So this is a, a subject uh, that is not easily tackled. And I'm just going to say this, that we probably, I'm, we will most likely not give you all the answers. We don't have all the answers, but this is something that we like to discuss. I think it's something good to kind of process and figure out and maybe we won't give you the answers but maybe you'll get some peace maybe you'll get a little bit of clarity but in life things happen for reasons we don't understand and certain things just come up and we have a question and we think that it's okay and then something else happens and that question comes up again and you don't get an answer to it and then it seems like for years of your life it's persisting without an answer and I'm just thinking, it goes back to when we talked with Wayne Pollard about getting things out into the open and talking about things. Just the fact, I want to let you know that every Christian has questions that persist, but sometimes we can be a little bit ashamed to talk about them, don't know how to talk about them, don't know how to talk about right. those hardships to our faith. And if you don't address them, they stay dark and they stay covered, kind of like my grandpa's arm. <laughs> <laughs> and you might have some maggots growing on your faith. So why don't you just open that up? And we're opening it up in this conversation. Yeah. Well, that kind of just, well, I just start, started laughing at what you just said. I had something in my mind and now I got to remember. Oh, no, I sabotage. I didn't no, mean to. Um, <laughs> uh, what was I going to say? Jesus, Holy Spirit, help me remember. Um, okay. So as Christians, sometimes we think that you have a standard that you have to live up to and you got to be perfect. Like your faith has got to be on point. You got to always be healthy and healed and everything's got to make sense and be in order. Um, otherwise, you know, you're failing as a Christian and you kind of already alluded to this. That's okay. If you have questions, if things, if you have doubts, if you're struggling in your faith, if certain things don't happen in the way that you want, like if you've got these troublesome areas, listen, Jesus made a lot of promises, but he said, you're going to face tribulation. And he said, there's going to be suffering and you're going to share in my suffering. So as Christians, 
you will go through life, you will suffer, and you will go through tribulations. And that is normal. And how you process it is really the key. Go ahead. Well, I don't want you to lose your train of thought like the first time, <laughs> but I want to say this. Ha- ask you this. Has your faith ever been shaken? Absolutely. And I would say this. Your faith is made to be shaken. You yeah. go, wait, what? Well, let's look at the armor of God. Yeah. Faith is a shield. A shield is made to be shaken, beaten, slammed against, so you aren't. So I hear this a lot, like, my faith has been totally shaken. And I'm like, good. "Good." That will be, it's because you're still standing and your faith can handle it. God's shield is built. I think sometimes we we get shocked when we feel an offensive push against our shield. But that's exactly why we have faith. Yeah, I mean, there is an enemy out there, and his sole desire is to kill, steal, and destroy, to shake you up, to mess you up, (laughs) give you a bad time. And uh, God is obviously here, or Jesus came to accomplish the opposite and give us life. Um, But that doesn't mean that the devil is gone, that he doesn't exist anymore. He's still here. He's still around. And I'll just jump into it right away, because why not? Um, A question that persists uh, for me is like, why... Is there evil still in the world um, if God is good and all-knowing? And I'm just going to put this out there. Um, you may not like the conclusions that I come to, audio listener. Um, and I'm not saying that I've attained, you know, nah, definitely not attained infinite knowledge, but I feel like I have matured a little bit. And I was talking to John about this before the podcast that when I was young, some of the conclusions that I have come to now when I was younger, I hated these conclusions. I hated these and a lot of them. So I'm, I was reading in Deuteronomy this morning and it says that God is perfect. We, I think we all know that. But it says that his, in his wisdom, he's infinite and he's perfect. His decisions are perfect. And so I am not, right? God is infinite. I am finite, which means that my decisions a lot of the times are flawed and they're wrong. And so You can ask yourself that question all day. Why does evil still exist? Why didn't God destroy the devil? Why, 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 why? And eventually, I think a sign of maturity is being able to really comprehend the infinite wisdom of God and his sovereignty and being okay with not knowing. And I'll just say this, that I think it's a a big sign of immaturity when you always have to have an answer for something because when you... So an immature person is not okay with not knowing because they don't know how to be at rest unless there's an answer in front of them. And as a mature believer, your one of your main goals is to be able to come to a point of peace even when all the puzzle pieces aren't there. That mm-hmm. makes sense. So I'm just one of the big things that helped me is God is perfect and sovereign and I am not and I have to be okay with that. I really want to connect this. I don't know if I can, maybe you can a little bit, but I think there's a part and a connection that goes back to our podcast on reversing absolutes with what you're talking about and how we talked about when we're immature, we want clear cut answers that make sense to us. But as we mature, we can rest in the fact of, even though I don't understand how there's evil in the world, I can rest in that not knowing in the certainty of God, where we give up our absolute need to understand things the way we can understand it and trust in the certainty and the absolutism of God. Absolutely. And sometimes when there's a question that persists or something that's unanswered, um, it really actually is a a test of our faith. Because if we were able to understand everything, 
and have the answers to everything or get everything that we wanted, there would be no realm for faith and trust because faith in its simplest form is really believing and seeing and trusting in what you cannot see. And so if it's always seen in front of you, then there's no realm for faith to operate and no way for you to prove that you really do trust God. Mm. Also, Does that make sense? I think so. Yeah. Go ahead. Uh, I want us to maybe look at the quality of the questions that we're asking, though. Uh, this is a common phrase that you've heard growing up. And I, again, I don't want to make an absolute statement, but I probably 90% agree with it that there are no stupid questions. But I'd say there are some stupid questions. And I think the way we can determine if a question is going to ultimately be stupid for us is we can take the wisdom and the advice from the Bible. Wouldn't that be a good thing to do, to take the wisdom and the advice from the Bible? I don't know, John. (laughs) (laughs) But Jesus, our Lord and Savior, encouraged us to judge a tree by its fruit. And I think we can look at the questions that people have asked because there's no temptation that we experience that is not uncommon to mankind. If you are being bombarded with the question, I'm here to tell you, you're not alone in that question. Maybe that will give you some peace, just that. But look and see if navigating down that question has brought a fruitfulness to that person's life. So I think we need to look at the questions that we are confronted with and go, has this question been asked before by someone around me or in the Christian world? And has it brought fruit to their life? And do I appreciate the fruit that's in that person's life? And would I want that fruit hanging off my tree and for my family and myself to eat that fruit? And I think just doing a little bit of soul searching and question searching, if that's even a question that's worth asking, is a good place to start. Yeah, there are some questions that eh, I was just going to repeat everything you said. (laughs) (laughs) Well, do you have something to go on after that? Or um, I can keep going, but no, I well, I was just thinking about, um, you know, asking, I've come to a place where I'm okay asking, exploring those questions because I truly believe in my heart that, you know, God isn't kind of like, um, you know, the great Oz behind the curtain and he's not like, Oh, don't go back there. Don't go back there. And then you pull back the curtain and you see, it's just a big phony and a big fake. So when there's things that don't necessarily add up, I truly believe that first of all, God knows God has an answer. Second of all, it may not always be pertinent that I know and understand. And maybe one day I will understand. Maybe that's in eternity, but I don't, I've come to the conclusion that, that there is an answer and a reason for everything, even if I don't get it, that makes sense. So I just, I just think it's good to, as a Christian, like, don't feel like you asking those questions, you're you're going to expose the guy behind the curtain and it's going to be fake and phony. I believe that that God's first and foremost real and that everything that he does is with purpose, is with reason. And I'll say this. I'm sorry. I'm just, I have no notes, guys. I'm just winging it. And so that's kind of how I operate in life. Sometimes it's a good thing. Sometimes it's a bad thing. But, um, God talked to me about this a long time ago, um, and I believe it was, well, yeah, it was actually through a message from Bill Johnson, but I, I didn't, anyways, I didn't remember that it was him, and I thought God was telling me, and then I heard Bill Johnson talk about it again. I'm like, oh, that's where I heard it. But anyways, um, uh, Philippians 4, where it talks about the peace that passes all understanding, guarding your heart and your mind. Um, you know, Bill Johnson made a point of saying, 
if you want God's peace, you have to exchange it for something else. And so I loved how he broke down this verse. Um, he was saying, if you want God's peace, you exchange it for your understanding. And so, so many times in life, we are searching under for understanding so that it may give us peace. And God really reverses things a lot. He works He works in mysterious ways, but he works in a way that is contrary to human nature. So humans seek understanding to gain peace. And God is saying, give up your understanding and exchange it for my peace. Mm. And so especially like when my dad died, I was trying to understand and I was beating my head against the wall, trying to put all the pieces together. And he told me as clear as day, if you ever want my peace, you will have to give up your right to understand. So I came to that conclusion again. God is perfect. And whatever happened between him and my dad is between him and my dad. And I just need to let that be okay. And as soon as I gave up my right to understand, his peace flooded my heart and it flooded my mind. And now I can honestly say I'm okay with that whole situation. I don't have all the answers. And if I let myself go down that road, like you're talking about stupid questions, it won't bear any fruit in my life. But I would much rather maintain the peace of God, then try and understand and figure out exactly why and how he died and if it was God's right. will and if my prayers made any difference or not. It's unfruitful. But the peace of God is a fruit of the Spirit. So why would I not take that in my life? Right. That's good. Is that I, making sense? Yes. I think okay. you raised a good point. Like, we don't want to be motivated by fear. And you said you don't want to be like, oh, if I think of this thought, or I think of this question, I'm going to expose the Oz behind the curtain, yeah. right? That's pretty much yeah. what you said. But I'm, I'm thinking of where questions come from. Maybe that's a first question asked. Where do questions come from? I think they come from tons of different places. Questions can arise just from circumstances of life. They can raise from our biology when we're right. kids just growing yeah. up. Curiosity. They can they can raise <laughs> yeah. from the devil and they can actually come from God. I believe yeah. God can lead us through questions. You look at the life of Jesus Many of the times he answered people, it was in the form of a question, which is the Socratic method or however, even in, it's a way that people have taught people all along. But I believe there's a difference between the way a question is presented from God and the way a question is presented from the enemy or from another source. And I think it, it stirs different things up in me. I've read things in the Bible and gone, wow, I really don't understand that. And my heart starts beating and it goes, how can that be true? And it and it, it starts <laughs> yeah. racing. Right. I don't think that's the way God presents questions in our life. I think no. we can not follow our feelings, but I think we can know the peace of God enough and to know that God's word is meant to be a lamp and a light right. unto our feet. So here's some things that I believe when God raises a question, there should be some manifestation of life, light, faith, hope, love, or come on, what is the three things that the kingdom of God comes down to? Righteousness, peace, and joy. Yeah. So if none of those are bubbling to the surface on your journey down this question, what am I telling you to do with it? Well, we do this a lot with prophetic words. Put it on the shelf. Yeah. Or maybe put it in a mutual fund. <laughs> uh, let it grow for a while and let you grow for a while. And then assess it in a few years. Let that Put be a long in the mutual fund. Let you grow. <laughs> yeah. Let it be a long-term thing. Because God may bring that back to you in a different season of your life. So many things are easier to understand in a different season of life. Right? Can't you understand things about God's love as a father Absolutely. that you couldn't understand quite as a 15-year-old? 
One hundred percent. So, just, oh, go ahead. Hopefully, go ahead. that makes sense. Does that make sense? So, yeah. register where that question's coming from, and either allow God's light to work it, or just allow God to bubble that up to right. the surface when the time's right. Yeah, I think differentiating where questions are being birthed from is is crucial to your previous point. Letting it is it going to produce fruit? That's the number. Well, that's one of the main determining factors of whether you think this is going to produce fruit. Where is it coming from? And I think that um, I just remember like being a kid and going like on an Easter egg hunt. My parents would hide the eggs. Um, they hid them for me for my joy and fulfillment. But I had trouble finding them. So I remember my mom and my dad walking alongside me and asking me questions that would prompt me towards the thing they hid for me. So what's that over there? Did you check by the deck yet? Uh, great point. Right. Uh, oh, maybe it's in the backyard. Hey, did you happen to look here? They were asking questions that would help prompt me in a direction to find what they hid for me. So a lot of times the questions from God are always going, well, a lot of times. So I, um, always, I think that's an absolute, but God's, the questions that are being birthed out of your spirit and from God are going to help you unveil a promise or another side of his goodness. If it's out of fear and out of doubt, like you said, put it on the shelf or sometimes bring that to God. And he might say, dude, 86, that that's not even from me. And that's not even, it's not going to produce fruit. Very well said. Right? And then one other thing I was thinking about when you just said, you know, your understanding of God's love is increased now that you're a dad. We were talking about this a little bit beforehand, but I know that as, as a dad, I am not going to give my daughters everything that they want. Because what they want, first off, is not what they need. And a lot of times what they want is not good for them. Like Starburst right before bed, right? A bunch of sugar right before bed. As much as they want it and cry for it, I am not giving that to them because I know their need. And I'm older, I'm more mature. In a way, let me just describe it this way. I'm not saying that I'm God, but in this scenario, I have much more wisdom about their life and their health than they do because of their age and maturity level and my age and maturity level. So I am going to not give them certain things. So as Christians, it's really important to realize this. And sometimes you think that might spit in the face of faith or what you've been taught. But there are some things that you ask that are wants and not needs, and God will not give them to you. Mm -hmm. So sometimes the answer is most definitely no. But you, that's why it's important to be able to understand and know the will of God. And maybe you can touch on this a little bit too, because when we ask according to his will, that's when we know he hears us. Well, I just, for me and my limited understanding of God's character that's growing in Jesus' name, I don't see God as a God who says no. But I see a God who hears his people when they ask according to his will, which is what you're saying. And if you read in 1 John 5, it says, this is the confidence that we have in him, meaning in Christ, which first off just reveals something about God's character just in that first part of that statement. Confidence. God wants us to have confidence with him. Let me repeat myself. This is the confidence that we have in him that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if he hears us, we know that we have those things that we've petitioned him for. So what do I get out of that? Well, I think John meant what he said and the Holy Spirit led him in a way to write that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Well, what does that infer? That infer infers that if we ask something 
outside of his will. God doesn't say no. We just aren't even connecting to God. So I don't want to ruffle your feathers. If this doesn't bless you, if it brings fear, (laughs) doubt, and hurt in your life, put it on the shelf. But maybe it isn't that God isn't saying no to you. We're just not connecting to the heart of the Father in that moment. He may not even be hearing you. He may not even be hearing you. You are on a different frequency than God because we have to... No, I don't want to say have to because it's not an obligation. It's an opportunity. We get to address God in faith. And that's the frequency we commune with him. That's the way we please him. And his will is attached to our faith. And our faith must be attached to his will. So it's not that he's saying no necessarily. It's that we aren't connecting on the same frequency of God. Yeah, that's good. I think that's a really good way to look at it. And that's why it's important to, like I said earlier, to understand what his will is. Um, because we are drawn away by our own desires. And if we're asking about our own desires, we're asking amiss. We're at, I mean, it's, it's not fruitful. So you got to understand what's in the word and what God has promised you, what God's desire is for you, what God's will is for you. And here's another thing. Um, sometimes, you know, I, I said, God will say, no, you said that maybe you don't believe that. That's fine. I think that both are somewhat, they're almost saying the same thing. Um, but I do think this, that sometimes God will answer your prayer and it's in a way you might think it's a no because it's in a way that you didn't want him to answer you. And, or it's in a way that's beyond your limited yes. understanding of how he can yeah. answer it. Yeah. Or it's, so, uh, an example of this is when, when Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. So he was like three days away. I can't remember what city he was in, but news got to him that he was sick and they were like, you need to come heal him. You know, Mary's, um, you know, calling out to him. I, I might be butchering the story, but basically they're like, Lazarus is sick. Get back. You need to heal him. And he goes, okay, I will. And then he waits for three days, right? Mm. Essentially. He does wait for three he days. He waits for three days. He goes back. They're in Jerusalem. Don't get into details. Anyways, that's, I'm burying the lead. <laughs> <laughs> he gets back there and he's dead. And they're like, you're, too late he died and he goes essentially you know watch this and he raises him from the dead that's the first time god ever jesus ever raised anyone from the dead so there so he how am i trying to say let's this? say this just because it's delayed it's not denied right and that was a thank you siri <laughs> <laughs> my watch just went off um that that was the first time he ever raised anyone from the dead that was an aspect of his power and his character that nobody knew yet but he used that instance to reveal a new side of his character so sometimes you're you're wanting him to answer you this way i need the healing right now god i need the answer right now and sometimes in his infinite wisdom and perspective he might wait or he might answer you in a different way um that you weren't expecting and i hope that makes sense i'm still trying to put it does it's like myself but for mary her brother because it's her brother lazarus there was a box that Jesus yeah. had to fit that miracle mm-hmm. in. And it was him getting to Lazarus before he died or else yeah. Jesus said no. But Jesus said, no, he can die and I consider him still sleeping and I can do it yeah. after he's dead, which yeah. is outside of their understanding. And I would say for myself, the way I pray and I ask for answers and the mental picture of how I see it happening, the right. majority of time it happens outside that box. Yeah. I love how you bring clarity to my thought. We work together. You do the same to me. (laughs) Well, we're running out of time. I want to say this. So we've encouraged you. There are some 
pathways and some journeys down some questions that are good to go. They're God-ordained. But I'd encourage you to tie a rope. And what I mean by this is, I just want to put this in here, is that in the Midwest and even parts of Canada where there's plains, but they have very strong winters, there would be snow drifts and blizzards that would be blinding that you could not see a couple feet past you. And as people were pioneering these areas of the plains, they would develop this practice of when they would leave their house to say, use the restroom or feed the animals, they would tie a rope to their house and then go to those different areas because people were literally dying in blizzards two or three feet from their house because they had no idea where their house was once they went out there. So even though it may seem like a harmless question, just remember, tie yourself to the goodness of God and what he's done for your life. Amen. Because then you can always go back to that. If you start to get lost and go, man, it's getting crazy out here. It's starting to get dark. You have a rope to get you back to the goodness of God. And that all comes down to not forgetting what you know on your search for what you don't know. Because what you do know has gotten you this far and it's important and it matters. And on your search for what you don't know, I mean, this is might just be semantics, but you said, don't forget what you know. Uh, when you Sometimes when you go on an unfruitful quest for the unknown, you will abandon and begin to reason why what you do know isn't even true, which is a lie from the enemy. That's exactly what he wants to get you to believe. Um, so it's important to hold on and, and cling to what you do know. So I'm just thinking this, like, I know for a fact that God is good. I know for a fact that it's God's will to heal. So in my life, when I don't experience healing or when someone doesn't experience healing, I go back to the word and what I do know, it is his will to heal. So I can't maybe come to a conclusion as to why there are a lot, like I think we said this in a few podcasts ago, there's a lot of variables, that person's faith, where they're at. And I, But isn't it amazing how we can see with their own eyes God heal our bodies numerous ways. We can yeah. lay hands on people and watch them get better. But then one time where it doesn't work for some reason we have right. no knowledge of, if we're not holding onto that rope, we can forget about all those 10 testimonies on the one time right. it doesn't work. Yeah, I know. And that, that messes That's the point up. you're making. Yeah, that is the point I'm making. And I'm also thinking this too. You know, we all sometimes when someone doesn't get healed, we go, well, you didn't have enough faith. Uh, let me present it this way because when the disciples couldn't heal people, Jesus said, oh, ye of little faith, or I believe that he might have said that even with Peter. He said that probably a few times in the word. He did. And when you break down, oh, ye of little faith, the word little means short, like in terms of length, like short-term faith. And I'm thinking about, I believe it was Mark Hankins who said, he was talking about how your voice of faith is your address in heaven. And he had a whole message called Return to Sender, Address Unknown. And so when you operate in faith for one little instant, uh, that's not necessarily enough to maybe get the job done. So, and if you abandon your faith or abandon your, abandon your confession, it's like your address is now gone off the radar. Think of like maybe an angel who has the package, who has the healing or the answered prayer, whatever it is, is on its way to you. And all of a sudden they lost the address because your voice of faith declaring and confessing what you know to be true is the address. And then I also think about Daniel, right? And uh, it took 21 days for the angel to get to him, right? Yeah, Sorry, because I'm, the principality. <laughs> yes. Right, and he was dealing with a certain principality, the angel was, and it was like giving him some hard times. So again, I can't give you the answers to everything, but there are a lot of unseen stuff happening behind, you know, behind the scenes 
that are affecting things. And that's why it's so crucial for you to stay in faith because it's not necessarily about the the amount of faith, but it's about the persistence, the consistency in you staying in faith. Because Jesus said this, it's a faith the size of a mustard seed. That's not very much. But if that mustard seed faith can say can stay consistent, I believe you will see the answer eventually. And going back to what I said earlier, just because your faith is shaken on that journey doesn't mean that you're out of faith. Right. That's the enemy's goal for you to drop the shield when the shield yeah. is shaken. And you might think, well, Jonathan, it's contradictory or that doesn't make sense because if I stay in faith long enough and then that person dies, I'll just say this too. God is a God of health and healing. And I want you to say it because you said it so eloquently about even if, if they didn't get healed in the natural here, just go ahead and say it. Um, even if you lose an earthly battle, you win an eternal reward. Yeah, absolutely. And so it might be you know, our loss here, but it's an eternal heavenly gain for them. You know, what did Paul said to live is Christ, but to die is gain. And so I know that might suck as an answer for some of you, but you might be praying for someone and they die. And if they know Jesus, they did get their healing. So like, don't, don't let that shake you to the point where you think God's not good and God doesn't heal. And God uses, I'm sorry, I'm going over time. God uses a lot of things. He uses things in the natural. He uses medicine. He uses doctors. I think we talked about this previously. I'm and oh my re- Omicron. Yeah. yeah, I'm repeating. All- yeah, that's, that's the very last podcast. No, a couple ago. Oh, but- yeah, we, we had um, Wayne on. But um, yeah, it's just good to reiterate that stuff. And don't let the enemy convince you into thinking that um, we're going to pull back the curtain and there'll be a fake, phony Oz. God is real. God is powerful. God is sovereign. Sometimes we won't get all the answers, um, but we cling to what we do know. And we cling to peace, even if it means we don't understand. Amen. Uh, that's my wisdom, okay? <laughs> <laughs> Take Sorry. any portion of that. Yeah, that's Jonathan's wisdom of the yep. day. Uh, I'm going to say my wisdom of the day. Let me look at what I wrote down here to see which one I really want to draw on and stick with. Mm. I really like the part about the rope and uh, not forgetting what I do know on my search for what I don't know. and. I, if you ever watch movies or shows about like Alaska, if you've ever seen Life Below Zero, Alaska, it's like a National Geographic. You can watch it on Disney Plus. But there's one lady and she does this, and I can just picture myself walking out of a warm house and the snow blowing crazily, but having like a hemp rope and just feeling my hand glide across that rope and the reassurance of that. And knowing when I go, because I'm going to go through some questions and some walls that feel are tough but knowing I have God's goodness to hold on to. That's my wisdom of the day. Amen. Since you were just on a roll, just <laughs> stirring your faith up. Listen, I hope you get this, listener. I, I feel an atmosphere of faith in the room. We're, we're encouraging ourselves. Absolutely. I hope you're getting encouraged. Carry yeah. that on in your prayer, Pastor Jonathan, and send Let's us out. Do it. Father God, we thank you for who you are. We thank you that you're good and that you love us and that we are able to know your will through your word. And we know that it's your will for us to be healed and whole and to be prospered and to live a life of abundance and victory. So I pray, Father God, that we wouldn't lose sight of what your promises and your will is, that we would cling to those things, that we wouldn't let them shake our faith, that we would understand that life is full of (laughs) surprises, but it's also full of promises. And so that we would uh, cling to what we know and that our faith would be strengthened and encouraged, that we wouldn't abandon 
what we know on a quest and a, and a fruitless journey to try and figure out what we don't know, Father God, but we cling to your peace. And I just pray for everyone who's listening, Father God, that you comfort them, that the Holy Spirit comforts them in their questioning, in their searching, Father God, that he would anchor them to you and that they would grow and be stronger on the other side of the storm, on the other side of the question, that it wouldn't cause them to take two steps backward, but they would grow in their faith on this journey. Father God, we love you. We thank you. It's in your name, Jesus, that we pray. Amen. Amen. And I just want to say this, just to give honor where honor is due. The message, return to sender, address not known, came from our very own oh, pastor, Mark. So I encourage matter. you. I'm so thankful for our <laughs> church. We get to do this on our time as staff members. Come join us on a Sunday morning. Check us on online if you're not available. Get planted in a church near you. And I want to say most of all, but I'm going to say equally, join us next week on the Sewing and Growing Podcast with J&J. &J.